Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. It's August 2020, and thanks to COVID-19, we're practicing social distancing by recording 10 feet apart in an empty theater. It's weird, but way better than Zoom. For the first time in a long time, we're taking a break from listener requests to feature an episode of my choosing, John St. John from the series Pat Novak for Hire. The series has a convoluted history. Created by actor Jack Webb and writer Richard Breen, Pat Novak for Hire began life in 1946 as a West Coast regional broadcast starring Webb as Pat Novak. Breen's scripts were radio noir to the nth degree, elevating tough guy banter and hard-boiled similes to an almost surreal art form. At some point during 1947, Webb and Breen left the series to work on a suspiciously similar series for the mutual network, Johnny Madero, Pier 23. Actor Ben Morris and writer Gil Dowd replaced Webb and Breen for the remainder of Pat Novak for Hire's 1947 run. Webb and Breen returned to Pat Novak for Hire in 1949. This run of the series was broadcast nationally on ABC. Tudor Owen and Jack Wilson returned as Novak's alcoholic sidekick, Jocko Madigan, while the role of Webb's arch foe, Inspector Hellman, previously played by John Galbraith, was given to a young, up-and-coming actor named Raymond Burr. Many of the scripts from the West Coast run were reused for the ABC series, including John St. John. This version you're about to hear is the original production, sponsored by Gallon Camp Shoes, a popular California retail chain for nearly 50 years. And now let's listen to John St. John from Pat Novak for Hire, first broadcast October 13th, 1946. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Gallon Camps present Pat Novak for Hire. Cinderella lost a shoe, and so she got a maid. The modern miss has learned from this in Gallon Camp Shoe More miles to a Gallon Camp. Yes, Gallon Camps, the family shoe stores with the yellow fronts, the largest shoe chain in the West with stores from Canada to Mexico to serve the West. G-A-L-L-E-N-K-A-M-P-S, Gallon Camps present Pat Novak for Hire. Sure, I'm Pat Novak, for hire. That's what the sign out in front of my office says, Pat Novak, for hire. Down on the waterfront in San Francisco, you don't get prizes for being subtle. If you want to make a living down here, you've got to get your hand in the till any way you can. You rob Peter to pay Paul, and then you put it on the cuff. 
It's a happy life if you don't mind looking up at a headstone, because sooner or later you draw trouble a size too big. I found that out Tuesday night. It was about 11 o'clock when I came out of the office and I started down the waterfront. It was raining and the street was as deserted as a warm bottle of beer. As I got near the corner, an old man stepped out of the darkness and started across the street. It was a short trip because a car started up down the street and the old man couldn't have made it with a pocket full of aces. Well, I started over to him. The car slowed down for a moment and then turned the corner and disappeared. As it passed under the streetlight, I caught a glimpse of the license plate in a dull, surprised way, the way you'd grab a feather out of an angel's wing. I bent over the old man and I rolled him on his back. He was breathing hard as I cushioned his head. Please help me. Can you please help me? Well, that's a big order, mister. I must talk to you. Well, if you've got any good quotes, you better get them off your chest fast. My pocket. Inside my pocket. Please put your hand... In here? Yeah. Sure. Two envelopes. What about them? One is money for you. You have the other one. So far. The other one, please keep sealed. And you will give it to... John St. John. John St. John? Yeah. Well, where does he live? You don't understand. It's not... I want to tell you. You don't understand. Well, he was right on that one. I didn't understand a thing except he slipped out of my arms and stopped paying taxes. I dragged him over to the side and I went through his stuff. There was nothing there, no identification, just a card with an address on the other side of town. I opened the envelope and $300 tumbled into my breast pocket. The other one was sealed. There was no name on it, but up in the corner there was some kind of marking. It looked like two crosses spliced together. There wasn't anything I could do for him except pray, and I owe some back dues. So I went over to my office and called police headquarters. I told him where the old man was, and then I checked in the phone book. There was no John St. John listed. Well, so I looked up the only honest guy I know, an ex-doctor and a boozer by the name of Jocko Madigan, a good guy... But to him, a hangover is the price of being sober. I finally found him singing in a Mason Street bar. Dinky, dinky, dobbishoo, dinky, dinky day. Jocko, I want to talk to you. Ah, Patsy, you're just in time for the counterpoint. I'm singing a song, a little sentimental thing from my childhood. It'll keep. I got a problem, Jocko. You'll always have a problem, Patsy, because you can't keep out of trouble. You know that, don't you? You have no self-control. Yeah, all right, Jocko. You have I... no more self-control than a bucket of mercury dumped in a marble staircase. All right, Jocko, check the bright talk. I just saw a guy get killed. You're like some violent disorder in nature, some large but unprofitable storm. You yeah. keep whirling in circles, Patsy. And if you ever go more than ten feet in one direction, it's because some woman is nine feet away. Then yeah. it begins all over again. Are you all through? Yes. Get to the point. That's another of your troubles. You never get to the point. Some old guy was killed down on the Embarcadero. He checked out 50 feet away from me. Who killed him? I don't know. And why do you care? Professional jealousy? Some car came out of nowhere and clipped him. You sure it wasn't an accident? Yeah, just like the fall of France. Will you stop kneeling me, Jocko? I told you the guy got killed. He was murdered right in front of me. I gotta find a guy called John St. John. How St. John? John St. John. I don't feel like vaudeville tonight, Jocko. The old man gave me $300 to deliver a letter. I made him a promise. Well, you can break it now with only the slightest risk. I got the license number of the car. I want you to hop down and look it up. 
Then check at headquarters to see if the guy's got a record. I don't like policemen. They depress me. Check it. I gotta go out here to this address. Here. Uh-huh. Well, what kind of neighborhood is it? Well, it's not exactly a neighborhood. It's more like an architectural afterthought, a lingering defense against the early California bear. All right, all right, no speeches. Just check on that license plate. Now, if I'm not at my place, try this address here. Yes, that's always very interesting at this time of night. Well, goodbye, lover. Well, Jocko was right about the neighborhood. When I left him, I doubled by my place and I left the envelope. I put it in another envelope and stashed it behind some books. Then I headed out to look up John St. John. It must have been about midnight when I got there, and it was the kind of a neighborhood where a for-rent sign reads like a ransom note. I found the place, though. It was an old rooming house, a third-floor apartment. I knocked at the door, and when she opened it, I knew it was time to wire home for money. If they pick a Miss Blowtorch of 1946, she'll be right up there in the running. A tall, blonde blister with lots of Fahrenheit. She stood there leaning against the door, smiling and looking at you as if you had gold-plated muscles. Gave you a weak feeling where your dinner ought to be. And her voice came right out of the oven. Well, you're out kind of late. Yeah. I'm looking for a guy named John St. John. Oh? Won't you come into my cobweb? Sure. For a spider, you're nice and chubby. Well... A Spider-Man. My name's Lee Norton. You want to write it down? Hmm. I'm Pat Novak, and I'm looking for a guy named John St. John. You seem to be running a temperature on the subject. I don't know a John St. John. Well, I found a dead man lugging around your address. Why? I don't know. Perhaps he admired me from afar. Like a sunset or something. No, he stopped admiring sunsets about 20 years ago. I see. What are you, the avenging angel? He gave me a sealed envelope. And you were supposed to give it to a man named John St. John. That's huh? right. He gave me 300 bucks to ease the pain. Yeah, I figured that. You don't look like the charitable type. He was a nice old guy, so I'm going to find his boy. Perhaps I could help you. You got a clear, fast track. Let's see you go. I told you I don't know John St. John, but I'll do this much. Yeah, I know. You're going to be big-hearted and offer to take that letter just in case you ever meet someone named John St. John. How did you pay the rent this month? Keep the kettle on. I'll only be a moment. Early, if we're early, just give us a magazine. No. Come on in. Thanks. Well, just enough for bridge. You're right. You're only gone a moment. Who are your friends? Don't suck. Did they lock the manhole before they left home? His name's Novak. Yeah, that's a pretty name. Don't rhyme with anything, but it's pretty, huh, Joe? Yeah, it's all right. Let's have the letter, Novak. You got hold of a bad rumor, fella. Uh, the one I got's good. Let's have it. I don't want to strain your mind, Junior, but try to understand I don't have a letter. Ask him again. Go on home, mister. You're not going to get anything out of me except a small tip. Now, if you're a good boy, I'll give you a nickel for your friend, too. All right, Joe. Now, <laughs> uh, hold him up. Yeah, just a minute. He's got a head of hair. Hold him up. All right, All right Mike. That's enough. Oh. Well, that's enough. All right, baby. Don't look so sorry. You can't have everything. We'll be back to Pat Novak in just a moment. Have you ever worn uncomfortable shoes? Perhaps the size was wrong or the shoe was the wrong shape for your foot. But no matter why, there's nothing more uncomfortable than shoes that don't fit. The more you're on your feet, the more you know it. Gallon Camp specialize in properly fitting shoes for the whole family, right from the toddler's first important step. 
And Gallon Camp's good shoes are built to give support to active feet. Listen to an authority on shoes. He's Mr. John F. Stahl, 64 years young, a retired postman with a hobby. <laughs> you guessed it, he likes to walk. He says, I've been on my feet most of my life. Since 1935, when I retired as a letter carrier, I walked 10,000 miles. I just walked to San Francisco from Trinity Center, California. That was 410 miles. Walking is fun, but take it from me, you must have good shoes. That's why I stick to gallon camps. Gallon camps are good shoes. And there you have it from a man who knows. Gallon camps are good shoes. That's why Gallon Camps are the West's favorite shoes, and Gallon Camps' tremendous volume makes possible Gallon Camps' reasonable prices. For style, for quality, for reasonable price, for good shoes for the entire family, visit the stores with the yellow fronts. Mr. Stahl walked 410 miles to shop at Gallon Camps, but there's a store in your neighborhood. And now back to Pat Novak for Hire. You know, it's easy to sleep if you got the right friends. When those two gun-ups were through, I hit the floor and made Rip Van Winkle look like an insomnia victim. I didn't like the floor, but it was in better shape than my face. I don't know how long I was there, but it must have been a couple of hours. I rolled over once and tried to get up, but it was like trying to barbecue a cake of ice. There was a sick, sweet smell in the room. I tried to place it, but my nose was out on strike, so I went to sleep again. Next thing I knew, it sounded like New Year's Eve. <laughs> Go, Patsy. Up on the couch. <coughs> What's the matter? Nothing. If you're a kitchen stove, the room's full of gas. Oh, some of my playmates, I guess. Well, you weren't at the apartment, so I tried here. Yeah? What time is it? Two o'clock. Who got the quaint idea of the gas chamber? A girlfriend. It was love at first sight. Did she get the letter? I left it home. You're getting smart. Yeah. $300 worth. They lifted my dough. Uh, you couldn't use it where you were going. I uh, checked on that hit-and-run card. It's listed under the name of Sidney Bronson. Has he got a record? No. Well, everybody's a beginner. Well, let's go home. It'll be dull, but you'll get used to it. Wait until I wash my hands. Sure. Patsy. Yeah? What did your girlfriend look like? Was she the lively type? Yeah. Why? What's the matter? Because she's not anymore. Yeah. Those gunsels play rough. She's kind of pretty. What did she do besides send out vibrations? I don't know. But she knew all about John St. John. Yeah? She picked up a bait like a hungry bass. Also, look at that ring. How did you get around to that? The insignia on it. It's the same one that's on the envelope. Spliced crosses. Let's go home, Patsy. The police will be here. Yeah. Even Hellman will know she's dead. Come on, we bet. On your way out the door, Jocko, try it sideways because I think it's blocked. Hello, Novak. You look pale. It's my color scheme. What do you care, Hellman? None. She looks peaceful. Yeah, be quiet or you'll wake her up. I'll tiptoe. She'll always cut her throat before she goes to sleep. Who is she, Novak? I don't know. It's awful cozy here for a bunch of perfect strangers. I don't know every dead girl in town, Hellman. You'll have to check. You can still write, can't you, Novak? Huh? That's all you'll need down at headquarters. Come on. Get out of the haze, Hellman. You don't know who's dead yet, but you're going to book somebody. Yeah. 
What are you doing up here, praising the joint? I came up to find a guy named John St. John. She doesn't look like a guy named John St. John. She was my lead. I came up here to smell out a rat. She had a half Nelson on me when two Gunsels walked in. They came up to fix the gas meter, I think. You stay out of this. I'll make every effort. Now, if you're smart, you'll fingerprint this place, Hellman. Those boys were cute. They've been in somebody's jail. I'll handle my job. You stick to murder. It'll go a long way to pin this on me, Hellman. I can go a long way, Novak. Not with what you've got to drag. We get a call in the middle of the night, come up here and find you standing over a dead girl. That's right. And you want me to sprinkle powder all over. Back up and take a better look, Novak. The view's fine, Hellman. And if you'll take a good look, you'll know why. You haven't got anything to give the DA except a slim lead and a fat hand. You're going to need help. Not on this one. You need help to find the street. Come on back to center, Hellman. Even with both hands, you couldn't... Yeah. Oh, forget it. So take the medicine like a good boy. I'm not going to walk out and let the two of you tour the town. I'm going to book one or both of you on a murder charge. All right. Book Jocko here, then. I love you in a generous mood. You got a string, then, Hellman. Somebody's got to find John St. John. Uh, who's going to find Jocko? Stop worrying, I'll bail you out. You haven't got the right size heart, Novak. You'll let him die on the vine. Helen, sometimes you're guilty of unexpected wisdom. I know it's reflex action, but it's consoling anyway. I want you, Novak. I want you bad. I'll take this guy as a down payment, but I'm going to close out with you. Remember that. I will. All right. Come on, mister. Wait a minute. Patsy, you're not going to let him lug me off like this? What else can I do? The guy likes you. Now, it was a bum curve to throw Jocko, but somebody had to dig us out of a hole, and Jocko wasn't the boy. You can't shovel dirt with a bar rag. I had no idea where to start. There were two murders, and they were both tied up with John St. John. He didn't look like a good guy to know. There was that insignia, too. The one on the letter and the girl's ring. Oh, sure, it could be coincidence, but... That's what they said about Bluebeard. The only thing I could do was open that letter. So I went back to the apartment. I didn't have to turn on the light. They were running in pairs tonight. She was sitting there on the couch, proud of a pair of long, silk legs and smiling like a guy who knows he's got a million bucks in the bank. She was blonde, too. A little more lemon juice, maybe, but blonde anyway. She was nice and comfortable, and I got the idea she'd just signed a lease. Good evening. How do you do? Not very well so far. A sly remark, Mr. Novak? No, I'm just bringing you up to date. Your girlfriend's dead. Yes? Yeah. I just want to let you know the gas jet's out in the kitchen. Oh, don't shout. I'd like you better if you purred. I don't need your vote. Who's John St. John? I don't know John St. John. Is he worth breaking your heart over? There's a good guy down on the clink sweating out a murder rap for me, so I want John St. John. Mm, you've got nice friends. Who's Sidney Bronson? How does that fit into the picture? This started with a waterfront corpse. The leftovers belonged to an old guy that was hit by a car. The car's registered in the name of Sidney Bronson. Mr. Novak, you seem so intense. It's a pity to waste it on random speculation. I told you. I got a friend in the jug. Mm, loyalty's a nice trait. One of your nicest. Yeah. You're a pretty thing, Patsy. Well, don't get fooled by the rapper. I'll take a chance. Anybody ever brief you on trouble? You're hard to see that far away. Come on over into focus, Patsy. Yeah. You're pretty, Patsy. You look like you want to bill a sale. I'm the gentle kind, Novak. I'd just like to break your ribs. Go ahead. I can get a brace. Come here. Hmm. Mr. Novak, I'll bet you do a swell rumba. Yeah? What's on your mind? What you're going to say when you find out about this gun. Huh? That's right, sweetheart. My finger isn't hollow. Back up and take a look at the gun. Hmm. Oh. 
You got to that purse, huh? That's right. Well, you've ruined my confidence. I'll give you a testimonial. In the meantime, I want the letter. You go after everything the same way. I want the letter. It's in the desk. Come on. Right here in the top drawer. <clears throat> oh, let go. Stay away from me. I'm already here, lady. Come on, oh. all right. Drop the gun, sis. Drop it. Well, you can let go of my arms now. Well, that's your version. Let, let go of me. Let go of me. I... Oh. What was that for? A little something on the house. Now beat it. Well, you've ruined my confidence. You're lucky. Go on home. You won't change your mind about that letter? No. Suit yourself. I'll be going. Oh, Patsy. Yeah? I can't help you on John St. John, but I wouldn't worry about that fellow, Sidney Bronson. Huh? Why? Because I'm Sidney Bronson. See you soon. That began to look like a big, fat, well-fed double cross. I had to find out what was in that letter, so I made tracks for the bookcase. All I could do was browse because the letter was gone. Well, things didn't look rosy for me or Jocko. I was about to buy a file and bake a cake when the phone rang. Hello, Novak. Oh, Hellman. The coroner got a report on that dead girl. She died at 12.30. Now, that's pretty close. What's he got, a stopwatch? Fifteen minutes either way. Those fingerprints panned out, too. Yeah? A couple of L.A. strong-arm men. Well, that's new for L.A. You got a call out? We already picked them up. Your favorite's name, Welcome Dangliers. Well, I could make a joke. I already got one. They're set up with a perfect alibi for 12.30. Well, that means I killed the girl. Nobody's arguing. I got some more news. Yeah? I'm out at the Seal Rocks. Well, you got the figure for it. We just found an envelope floating around the water. It's one of yours. You better come on out. You found an envelope, so what? So the envelope turns out to be in some guy's pocket. Come on out. Well, that only meant one thing. Whoever took the envelope out of my place got popular. It was getting late, so I grabbed a cab and rode out to the beach. When I got there, Hellman was standing down in the water. He had Jocko with him. The surf was rolling in, and Jocko wasn't much better. Patsy. Hello, Jocko. How's jail? Dry. Thanks for coming, Novak. You're sweet. Where's the envelope? Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same one. That makes you look good. There was a letter in here. Did you take that with the guy's money, Hellman? You got all there is. Hmm. This guy on the beach is the third one. It's my opinion the case will solve itself. We're running out of people. Who is the guy? His name's Walter Avery. Here's his stuff. Yeah, what's left? Well, the spliced cross really gets around. Eh? Keeps bobbing up. Here it is on this guy's fountain pen. I'm going to run this guy through the morgue, and then I'm going to look you up, Novak. Yeah? Sure. We want you done with us. That's right. I'll introduce you to all the best people. Good night, lover. It was close to five, so I tagged by my place for some sleep. I tossed around like a fish on the living room rug. Hellman called about nine to throw more dust in my eyes. He said one of the airlines had a passenger to Portland named Walter Avery. Just to make it tough, the guy made the 12 o'clock plane and got off at Portland. 
I had left field all to myself. I got dressed and I looked up Sidney Bronson's number. There was no answer, so I went over. The place was locked and I looked up the janitor. He wasn't going to let me in, but it turned out that his wife had a birthday coming up. Well, I found something in the apartment. It was a card and it said, Bellcrest Sanitarium. And down in the corner there was a guy's name. Dr. Emil Schoenig, psychiatrist. Vienna, without the walls. The Bellcrest Sanitarium was down on the peninsula, so I borrowed a car and headed down that way. Everything was fine until I got in the front door. They didn't even let me register. I woke up on a couch in Schoenig's office. It was dark outside, and my left arm was throbbing like a love story in a woman's magazine. The radiator sitting beside me was Sidney. You're a deep sleeper. I think I got some help. What happened to my arm? Hypodermic. You only need one arm anyway. In your case, I need a spare. Who did it? Dr. Schoenig. He's a darling boy. Where is he? Out on the phone trying to figure out what to do with you. What's that make me, a patient? Mm, That's one way of putting it. You made things easy. We were coming to you for the letter. Hmm? You want to try that over again? We were on our way when you stumbled in. You're wrong, Sid. Somebody's given you a fast pitch. That letter was gone when you were up at my place. I don't want a bum rib, Patsy. I want that letter. The trail in the field, Angel. I told you, the letter's gone. A guy by the name of Walter Avery took it out of my place. Walter Avery? That's right, and somebody thanked him. They found him this morning, making like a dead seal. Walter Avery left for Portland last night. A plant, sweetheart. You better read up on your friends. Yeah. Thanks, Betsy. I told you to watch him, Sid. You had more shots. What's the difference? Oh, none, I suppose. Uh, why don't you mix us a drink while I talk to Mr. Novak? I'll be right with you. Well, Mr. Novak, you're one of my best patients. Well, that's because I like your needles. You better go easy on that drink. Yes? Why? Well, you'll get drunk and run somebody down the way you did that guy on the waterfront. Oh? A good guess. You should be proud. That's a good, sensible, final emotion. Here's your drink, Emma. Thank you, my dear. As to you, Mr. Novak. Sorry, there's no drink for you, Mr. Novak. He probably will be. Huh? Forget it. Emil, I talked to Mr. Novak before you came in. He thinks you're a heel. He does. And so do I. I can stand it. He told me about Walter Avery. I'm sorry about that. Walter got that letter. You killed him and took it. I was supposed to blunder around till you got rid of me, too. That's a bum joke, Emil. You're getting hysterical. With laughter, Emil. You put one of your boys on the plane. Only Novak aired the wash too fast. Suppose I did. Somebody ought to bring you up to date, Sydney. You've been hanging on too long. The free ride's over. I might as well tell you now you're all through. I carried the whole bunch along and... <coughs> and I'm all through. Steady, Emil. What's the matter with me? <coughs> What's the matter with me, Sid? Give him a hand, Novak. He just got a bad drink. You wouldn't do that, Sid. I'm full of surprises. You got a stomach full of poison. You got a stomach full of poison in 15 seconds, Emil. <coughs> put down that gun, Emil. I want you to, Sid. Please, Emil, put down the gun. I'm a selfish fellow. <coughs> this happens kind of fast for you, fellow. Lots of noise, huh, Patsy? Yeah. I'll get you a pillow. I'd rather have your lap. Uh, you get mercy, not love, baby. Well, thanks for small favors. How do I look? Not so good. That was the three and two pitch. Yeah. I had it coming up. I'll tell you about John St. John. I know. There was no such guy. That's right. 
was the name of the group. Those spliced crosses? Yes. You found out a little late, but it's always that way. That's the way I found out about you. Yeah. I had a funny little hunch about you and me. I found out a little late. But I know now, Patsy. Does that help? Well, John St. John was the name of an organization buying and selling government information. That old man tried to tell me, but he checked out too fast. I began to figure something like that when those spliced crosses started showing up. Shoney killed the old man in Sidney's car. He couldn't stop because I was around. The two girls and Walter Avery were both in on the deal. Shoney knew who I was when he saw me go into my office. He trailed me to my place and left Avery there to look for the letter. He killed that girl up in the rooming house, and then he found out she didn't have the letter. When Avery showed up, he took it away from him and threw him to the fish. He was trying to shake Sidney by sending her up to my place after he had the letter. The scheme went haywire when I showed up at the sanitarium. He was trying to work himself out of that one when the payoff came. John St. John? Well, right from the start, Jocko said he was either dead or in the state pen because anybody with a name like John St. John would have killed his parents as soon as he got old enough to find out about it. We'll return in a moment to find out what bothered Inspector Hellman. But now it's Cinderella time. Cinderella lost a shoe and so she got a maid. The modern miss has learned from this in gallon camp she'll rate. A pretty face, a graceful figure, lovely shoes. That's a combination that no man can resist. What a delightful feeling to know that from the top of your head to the tip of your toes... You are the picture of glamorous perfection. Here's what Marilyn Buford, Miss America 1946, says. Probably the most fun of being chosen Miss America is modeling the gorgeous clothes. What girl wouldn't be thrilled to select costume after costume from a collection of America's leading designers? And after seeing the importance they attach to the right shoes for every costume, I'm glad I learned about gallon camps years ago. Yes, Marilyn, there's magic in a pair of shoes, as every woman knows. And having the right shoes is no longer a luxury thanks to Gallon Camps, the home of lovely shoes at, shh, reasonable prices. And that's why Miss America's favorite store is the favorite store of America's Misses. Cinderella lost a shoe and so she got a maid. The modern miss has learned from this in Gallon Camps she'll rate. And now back to Pat Novak. Oh, it worked out all right. They found the letter out at Shoney's place, and there were some plans for jet planes and a few other trifles. Hellman asked only one question. How come Shoney didn't kill me before I could talk to the girl? <laughs> it's always that way with a guy who commits murder. Either he goes too far or he doesn't go far enough. Be sure to join us next Sunday evening and every Sunday, same time, same station for radio's newest show, Pat Novak for Hire. And don't forget the store with the yellow front is the Gallon Camp Shoe Store. Gallon Camp Shoes are good shoes. There's something about them you'll like. Franklin Evans speaking. 
This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That was John St. John from Pat Novak for Hire here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was a uh, listener request coming to us from Joshua. <laughs> Joshua, who is a long I love your podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time since I've said whose pick that was. We've been yeah. doing listener requests for so long, which was great, by the way. Yes. Uh, I love not thinking. But uh, <laughs> let's just start this with... Why, Joshua, you were like, I want us to listen to this and bring this to the podcast. I just love this series uh, because, as we mentioned at the top, it just takes this hard-boiled aesthetic and these similes and metaphors that we associate with film noir and hard-boiled literature just pushes it about as far as it can go, dips its toe in satire. But yet what I like about it is that it's still works as a piece of crime drama and so like it's really weird and I think it's that tonal shift the, the refusal to go all the way into complete tongue-in-cheek parody mm -hmm. but just having a sense of abandon when it comes to the aesthetic and the um, flexibility of language <laughs> I think you said it best in the intro to our podcast it's surreal it's yeah. A giant excuse for simile after simile after simile after simile after simile to the point where I'm going to be honest with you, I can't follow it. I'm like getting <laughs> lost in what the action really is. And when you do break down the action, sorry, I'm giving all my information out. These are all my notes. Uh, <laughs> when you do get break down what the plot is, it's really not much of anything. Noir is never about the actual plot to a certain degree. I think I mentioned on the podcast before, but Raymond Chandler's famous quote about, like, he was only interested in stories that created great scenes. Right. And that's the side of the private eye. He's not a private eye. He's just a guy who'll do anything for a buck. But uh, it's playing on that genre. Uh, that's where this series leans into hard. Right. They all blur together, absolutely. All the plots, they're really repetitive. That's why it's so hard to choose one, because I listened to six in a row, and I could not distinguish the differences in my head after listening to six of them. I loved every single one. I, I <laughs> And I went back to this one just because it stood out because it's a little different with the um, old man being hit by the car and right. giving him a letter, and I remembered this one as a distinct episode. There is a little sort of candy store element to it of this is sweet and delicious, and I love it, and it's all kind of the same. Like, every mm -hmm. interaction with the woman is going to be like sexy hot flirty thing and then like she dies all right next lady sexy hot flirty thing and she dies i mean it's oh yeah femme fatales are disposable here they're like kleenex it's like i'll get another one yes right. <laughs> and i say that loving candy stores interesting you say, <laughs> it's interesting you say candy stories because there's also an interesting similarity to candy manson and I would say this is the uber-masculine mirror universe Candy Matson Because we have a Rembrandt. Yeah. Oh, God. But it's also, so much. It's is. also set in San Francisco. Yep. It also uses intentionally over-the-top dialogue. It also has a will-they-or-won't-they relationship between the protagonist mm -hmm. and the cop. <laughs> <laughs> well... It's a little more on the nose than Rembrandt, but, you know, with Goodnight Lover. <laughs> Do you know that he said that every episode? Yep. Okay, so that's a catchphrase, yep. Goodnight Lover. Oh, this is all very formulaic. 
And if you don't like this formula, don't listen to any more of these because it it is this. That's what I was going to say earlier. Would you agree that you explain what this is, but that that's a specific uh, demographic and specific type of person that would like this? It's not aimed broadly. People who don't have any joy in their soul (laughs) would not like this. I agree with you. The line has been drawn. <laughs> it's also very on the nose, much more. Are you actually going to come out not liking Pat Novak for hire? Should we just cut to the chase? Because I'm, that's ridiculous. We are discussing it, Joshua. <laughs> and I am no, we're listening. cutting to the vote. <laughs> no, I'm so only going to have this discussion if I know where you stand. I will stand Ten here. Ten feet apart is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know this for sure. Rembrandt and Candy Matson is a, huh, they might be alluding to something. This guy, Jocko, they're not beating around any bush with this guy. I think it's just much more to the point. I think it's the opposite. Really? I think uh, Rembrandt is very clearly a uh, coded gay character, whereas this guy, I think you're welcome to interpret any old-time radio character how you you want if it's bag enough, (laughs) Um, but I think um, that's all sarcasm on Jocko's part. Okay. It, yeah, that's how I, I would take, take it. Jocko Moore is a slot machine mouth person that you just sort of pull the lever and whatever's going to come out. Oh, we because call that uh, scrimshaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners, that's my last name. He wasn't talking about carving on whalebone. Oh, that's right. I always forget that that's an actual <laughs> noun. If I see the word scrimshaw or actually see scrimshaw, I have to remind myself that that's not. Joshua. <laughs> That's a whalebone. But if I say your name to people who don't know you, they're like, why are you talking about whalebone? Free that man from this museum. <laughs> you belong in a museum. Uh, all right. So to answer your question, Joshua, uh, my jury is out. And that sounded more... Uh, well, the jury's come back in. If it's out on this episode, I'm telling you, there's you're, you're not... <laughs> saying that the jury's out and it may come back in, this has all got like a metaphorical context all of a sudden. You that don't, I don't understand. Like. We're talking about Void Dyer and all that. <laughs> I will say that I entered this discussion with, I want to hear what they have to say because... I'm not 100% sure where I stand. And I know you love it, yeah. so I'm here to listen, honestly. like. So did those similes just wash over you and you, yeah, you went like, ah, this is too much. That's not say, how someone talks. Nope, Get to like the that. castle! <laughs> <laughs> Last week's show reference. No, I will say this, that the first 10 minutes I was like, wow, what a simile ride. This is super fun. Much like Candy Matson, who we keep comparing this to, where there's a lot of that witty banter and quick, snappy things that never bugs me, and I have a great time in every Candy Matson episode. This, after 10 minutes, I went, oh my God, this is starting to wear on me. I can't keep up with the witty uh, similes, and I'm losing track of what's going on. For example... It took me three or four rewinds to figure out that second femme fatale that she was like, where are we? What happened? Like, he never says, hey, what are you doing in my apartment? <laughs> oh, he says he goes back to his house. I mean, this happens to him all the time. <laughs> he goes back Doesn't to Doesn't that house, happen to you? And there it was. And he said, and they were coming in twins that day. Yeah. Hey, how are you? It took me a while is what I'm saying. Um, I, one of the things, I, I want to give Tim a chance to. Yeah, so, so <clears throat> my little presentation on Pat Novak. <laughs> um, 
most things in the world where if everyone loves it, it's a really good chance I'm not going to like it uh, just because I'm willful and, and contrarian like that. Uh, but I have found in the world of old radio that people who like, this is really great, you'll like it. I like it. Uh, and people really like Pat Novak. It, it, like uh, Many different people have said, Pat Novak, you've got to listen to Pat Novak. Uh, and so now that we have, like, yes, I really like Pat Novak. Uh, I think a lot of Eric's critiques are very valid of it. When he's like, I'm going to go to this address that it took, like, where did you get an address from? Yeah. They are notoriously convoluted plots, and that's why he tries to Huge. summarize them at the end. And then I think every episode he has the Inspector Hellman just had one question, which is a joke. Like, you only have one question out of all that. <laughs> and usually, like in this episode, it's a plot hole that Pat Novak just points out and then shrugs at. He doesn't even solve it. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's huge plot holes all over this. Yeah, it's not a show for no, plot right. holes, though. But I mean, that's like, what they, I'm they, they, they don't care, is, is my point. What I'm agreeing with you on is. I think that the attraction to it really is about the amazing amount of similes, which, you ready? Mm-hmm. Amazing similes. They are phenomenally, not only funny, but clever and wonderful. It's just not a plot. Well, there's the, the moment when he's first talking to Jocko and he's like chastising him of like none of the funny talk. Let's just get to <laughs> yeah. it. Um, that it is true that you can feel every character who opens their mouth there's a couple exceptions, um, the, the, the cop being one. It's like, they're working hard to get this zinger out. Yeah. And what makes it work is like, these zingers are great. Um, there is also the one thug, which I always love this one thug that I, I think was called Joe, who's yeah. the one guy who just is assigned, you have no zingers. You're just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can tell the actor got caught up in it all and wanted to deliver them as if they were zingers. <laughs> so it had this nice quality of the lines falling flat on their face. And Pat Novak's like, no, right. no. Uh, the, the line that I actually want to have on my actual tombstone, I'm going to leave it in my will and request that it is engraved upon it is, he slipped from my arms and stopped paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's makes me so happy. The writing is phenomenal. It is a college course in similes. It's weirdly Oscar Wilde-esque, I dare say. (laughs) It it is. Wow. It's quantity over quality a lot of the times, (laughs) in all fairness. Like, at some point, they just keep coming, and part of why I'm impressed. What do you mean, some of the time? (laughs) No, but some of them are truly brilliant. I think uh, Slip From My Arms and Stop Paying Taxes is brilliant. I think they're Uh, all brilliant, and it's quantity. Voice straight out of the oven. That one stuck with me. (laughs) Like, what's that? A voice straight out of the oven. Yeah, and some of those just get surreal. You've established she's attractive, but we've still got three more good ones. Yeah. (laughs) For a spider, you're nice and chubby. Like, those are those weird ones where are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're a spider, man. Well, great power comes great responsibility. My favorite line from Jago, though, uh, and this is going to generate into just quoting lines from it, but that's kind of why people love Pat Novak. But uh, you have no more self-control than a bucket of mercury poured on a marble staircase. (laughs) 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 And I was just... I am in. That is so awesome. And the fact that Jocko, as you listen to more, he is the biggest critic of Pat Novak. He's this <laughs> drunk, but he has this crystal clear insight into the character of Novak. So it is actually kind of fascinating because he goes to this drunk for help, who proves to be very little help, but you suspect that maybe it's because it's the only guy who truly understands Pat Novak. And doesn't like him very much. Interesting <laughs> plot-wise of, like, I'm going to have to arrest you or you. Like, arrest that guy. <laughs> That's an unexpected twist of, 
I'm such a good friend. Yeah, yeah. arrest me for murder. Like, Let him. Go. I love it when you're generous. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said. Let <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. We should write for this show. <laughs> uh, the line um, at the beginning when Pat says, I caught a glimpse of the license plate in a dull, surprised way, the way you'd grab a feather out of an angel's wings. <laughs> and it has this sort of mm. melodrama, but right. you tortured that, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what you don't know, and I'm going to forgive you because Aww. I have plucked a, a feather from an angel's wings, and that's exactly what happens. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, so it's dead on. This is like catching a license plate from a speeding car. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're right, Joshua, that... Sitting around and quoting this is absolutely a lot of fun and what it devolves to, which is exactly why people love this, mm-hmm. which is what this show is all about. And I didn't write down one of them. I don't have any notes because they were so fast that yeah, I would go. You have to just give up. I would gave up. I was like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I cannot keep yeah. up. And honestly, I love this series, uh, but it's part of the reason I've never brought it to the podcast till however many years we've been doing this, because to a certain degree, as Eric points out, there's not a lot of plot. There's not a lot of subtext. It does just devolve or evolve, depending on your point of view, into like, <laughs> that was funny when he said this. right? <laughs> and it's not a critique, but it um, doesn't lend itself to in-depth discussion. No. It, it, there's not a lot more to it than just this bravado dialogue. Any other thoughts? I just have more quotes. <laughs> <laughs> give us two more quotes, Joshua. We'll give you two more. Oh, that's so hard to decide. What are some of my favorites? Um, oh, the kind of place where a for rent sign reads like a ransom note. Yeah, that's a great line. Beautiful, hard-boiled line. Um, I do like, and this one's a little light on it. Um, in other episodes, there's more brutal sp- verbal sparring between Pat Novak and Inspector Hellman. Mm -hmm. But when he calls him and says, "Uh, yeah, I'm out at Seal Rocks, and Pat says, well, you got the figure for it. Yeah. It's just, (laughs) yeah. And what I will say in a more analytic way, that one of the reasons I like this particular episode is that there is a little bit of human side to Pat Novak Mm -hmm. that is shown through his desire to follow through on this dying man's request to get this letter to John St. John. It's not just because a beautiful woman showed up in his door, which is most of how the episodes start. But, yeah, it's mainly the quotes. I've got one. Uh, it's actually when Jocko's arrested, and it's the last beat in that scene of Pat Novak telling him, what can I say? He wants you. <laughs> yeah. And I have one myself. Yeah, just like the fall of France. <laughs> I don't remember what the setup was. I wrote that down because I laughed out loud, and I don't know yeah. what the setup was. Um, uh, and I enjoy occasionally how brutal it is. At the end, he was so nonchalant about the woman who was shot that at first I couldn't tell if she'd been shot. Right. He says, I'll get you a pillow, and she says, I'd rather have your lap. And he's like, you get mercy, not love, baby, <laughs> which is like, like a Telly Savalas line. <laughs> right. Uh, well, did we have Raymond Burr? No, this this is an earlier one, uh, pre-Raymond Burr, as far as I can tell. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think he started until it went to national on ABC. I will say, those shoe commercials confused the hell out of me. Like this Cinderella song, like, what? 
What are yeah. you selling? What's happening? Yeah, and it was an and odd... Eventually you get the shoe connection, but I, I, I wrote down the jingle because I was trying to understand it too, and it, it yeah. doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I was an odd commercial. I mean, it's a coup that they have Miss America 1946 or whatever. <laughs> uh, was that Jocko? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I walked 400 miles a day. <laughs> oh, yeah, the other postman, the sad postman. He's like, never mind, Miss America is here. You don't want to hear from me. <laughs> I'm just an ugly postman. I sure like comfortable shoes. I, we did not have Raymond Burr, but we did have George Fennerman. That is your announcer, you know. Yes. From You Bet Your Life and many other things. Just a little trivia. Nice. Nobody cares. All right. Let's send it to the vote. Uh, Tim. This is a tough one because I would say the Pat Novak series, assuming that it's all like this, which it sounds like it is, is classic. I mean, it's so funny, it's so sharp, so surreal. But I also don't know that I could pick out like that one. That's a classic. So I would give it a general classic because I think it is something that everyone who's a fan of old radio should hear this at least once. Yeah, I agree with Tim. I think Pat Novak for Hire as a series is classic but part of their strength and their weakness is that everyone is the same it's just new exciting similes <laughs> you're like yay <laughs> and i do think to my original point about how it tries to push the envelope on the dialogue and language but also adhere to a somewhat straightforward crime drama and plot could be a hindrance because i think that's where you got snagged up mm-hmm. uh, eric is because mm-hmm. i think you might have if it was just a full for parody, mm-hmm. you might have been on board and not been distracted by the mm-hmm. plot. So to me, that's a strength, but I can see that as a weakness uh, for others. But to me, it has this very postmodern sensibility, so I think it definitely stands the test of time. I think this is something I would play for somebody today, and they would find it hilarious and over-the-top and enjoy it. I agree with both of you very much. I will say that it is a distraction to decide what to focus on. The fact is, you're supposed to be focusing on the patter and the similes and the dialogue, right? Because that's noir and that's what yeah. it's supposed to be. If you enter it with, oh my God, shut up. What? Who's this woman? <laughs> who killed who now? What are the clues? Then you're going to be mired in a nightmare. I will say this happens to me with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Regardless of how bad the movie is, sometimes... You're like, shut I up, get, guys. I'm trying to right? watch the movie. <laughs> sometimes I'm trying to follow the plot of the bad movie, and they become noise of like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Funny, funny, funny. But what, wait, wait, now what's this guy doing here? And I have to stop myself and go, that's not why you're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> why in God's name would you have this on? And try to tune out the robots. <laughs> so uh, I think that's what happened to me on this one. And when you go back and you listen to it a second time, it's still really fast. I think that it stands the test of time for what it is. And it is a tutorial in noir to the point of almost parody. I think it stands the test of time in the sense of I definitely would give this to someone who would never listen to old-time radio before and say, listen to this because... I don't know how you couldn't find most of them funny. So I will also say say that it is historically significant in the sense that through these Pat Novak for hires, you hear the development of Sergeant Joe Friday and uh, the beginnings of what becomes a huge classic piece of American 
culture. Yeah, the national series on ABC overlapped by three weeks, mm -hmm. the premiere of Dragnet, and he pretty much left mm -hmm. Pat Novak for hire to continue on with Dragnet. Again, Dragnet is important I, pop culture-wise. I continually take Jack Webb for granted. I guess. Yeah, we we right. talked about all this and the clever dialogue, and we didn't say anything about Jack Webb. I mean, he... Yep sells this. He yep. it's has that rat-a-tat-tat delivery, and if he lingered on these jokes like a second too long, they would crash and burn. Yep. Like it, it is perfectly delivered by Jack Webb, so a lot of credit goes to him. All right. Uh, Tim, tell him stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. You can comment on episodes. You can vote in polls on episodes. You can click on links to our social media pages uh, and like things and comment things there. And you can also send us a message if you have comments, just you want to get directly to us, or if you have suggestions or recommendations of things you want us to hear. We will add it to our list and get to it eventually. And you can play the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society game. That's not a thing. No. <laughs> we should make that a this thing. Is, well, the game is where you guys promise things on the website, and then I have to make them happen. <laughs> it's a great game. <laughs> uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. We have members-only podcasts that are just for Patreon supporters. So if you uh, become a member, you can download and listen to... We've got maybe 30-some episodes of members-only mm -hmm. podcasts. So uh, check that out you can also go to itunes and write a review i'm going to challenge our listeners to make as many reviews with as bizarre similes as possible as long as they're positive five-star similes <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to check out our theater version of mysterious old radio listening society where we do live recreations and original works of old-time radio dramas and radio dramas in general, go to parksquaretheater.org. That is where our home is. Right now, during 2020, it varies from month to month. Uh, so depending on when you buy a ticket, you may be watching us live on stage without an audience perform radio shows. You may be listening to uh, audio recreations with live Q&A on Zoom. But the price is always right. So please help support Park Square Theater and us and check out some of our live stuff. And one of these days, uh, I'm going to say this because we tiptoe around it. When the day comes, we can go back into theater and have an audience. I think we're still going to be offering the ability to see us mm -hmm. perform live for those of you who don't live in the Minnesota, St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Uh, all that being said, also about theater, that we would really like to thank North Garden Theater, which is on West 7th Street in St. Paul. Dear friends of ours, Ryan and Tina North, who are allowing us to use their theater space that's not being used right now, although you can. So please, if you have an event or anything, please contact them. They do all sorts of events, not just theater here. It is an event center and theater space. But they let us record our podcast in here during these times which is a lot more fun to see you guys despite the fact that your razors are broken <laughs> and instead of doing this over zoom so uh thank you again to ryan and tina in north garden theater what is coming up next next we are going to feature a yet to be determined episode of the adventures of sherlock holmes until then Look out! goodbye lover <laughs>